0: In a, we're in a series right now called Freeway. This is our fourth week. And um, it's been a good series. I hope I hope you've been uh, getting some, some good stuff out of this series. It's kind of like this Has anyone ever done a home improvement project? Anyone ever done something around your house, somebody else's house, a neighbor's house, a parent's house, anything like that? Worked on something, painted, you know, maybe maybe a little bit more than paint, um, there's, there's some truths to home improvement projects. We just did a whole bunch of these as we sold our house uh, earlier this year, and so we were just kind of in this mode of constantly doing uh, home improvement project, and as we were doing them, we, at least I noticed this, is that uh, there were a couple of things. For one, uh, the projects always seem to take longer than we think they're going to take, Right? I mean, you think, oh, well, this thing ought to just take me a day or two, and a week or two goes by, and you're still working on the same project, and then before you know it, the end of summer is here, and you still haven't finished up that one thing. Maybe that's not how you work, but I, I work that way from time to time. They always take longer than you think, and then you, you never have the right tool, right? Like, like Home Depot and Lowe's and all of the big box, box stores have conspired against the average DIYer to make sure that whatever the project is there is one tool that you don't have that you need. Just, it just might be just one, but you'll have to go ask your neighbor, you have to go buy a tool, and then that tool that you bought, that you needed for that one job, you'll never use again for anything else, because that's just how it works. Well, um, it's kind of the same way as we're going through going through the series, and maybe you're not feeling this way, um, I know God is showing me some stuff that I need to work on, uh, but it's when we allow God to move in us, to change us, to work in us, and we kind of open up our lives to him like we've, we've been trying to do, there are some things that will come up. There are some, some issues that will come up, and it will always be a little more painful than we anticipated. It always might hurt just a little more than we thought it was going to hurt. And then the healing and the getting over it and the moving on and stepping forward, it always tends to take a little bit longer than we wish it would take. You know, we'd like it to be all fixed and we'd like to be all mended and perfect and whole in a short amount of time. And our society really fights against what God wants to do because we're in a microwave world. Everything needs to happen right now. We need to get the results right now. We need to have everything that we want right now. and We need to be able to go get it at the store and have our hands on it by the end of the day. When you're allowing God to change you, it's going to take longer and it's not a... It's not a day-long process, it's not a week-long process, it's not a year-long process, it's a lifetime process of God working in us and changing in us. And we don't have the right tools. I don't know if you know this, but if you've tried to stop and fix yourself, if you've tried to stop and and make yourself whole, you probably realize pretty quickly you don't have the tools that you need to fix yourself. That's why we've said before, you know, counseling and therapy, those are good things and we don't discourage you from those. But ultimately, the only person, the only entity that can really bring the healing and fix us in a way that will last for eternity is Jesus. And We need to rely on Jesus and let Jesus do the work in our hearts and in our lives. So as we're going through this series, I just I just want you to to be encouraged, that it's a process. It's not, if you you feel like you haven't made any progress, you haven't gotten anywhere yet, then that's okay, that's good, as long as you're walking the journey. The first week we talked about awareness, and how awareness increases as hurry decreases, and the enemy of awareness is dissatisfaction. If we want to become more aware, we need to become more satisfied and content with what we have in our lives. we need to be aware so that, so that we can discover the things that, that are going wrong, the things that need worked on. We need to be able to discover the things that are, that are broken and allow God to fix them. And then just last week, we talked about ownership. When we discover these things, we want to hide. We want to push them back. We want to hide away from them. or We don't want to deal with them, but it's really important that we take ownership of moving forward. And we said that there are things that, are, that have happened in our lives that aren't our fault, but how we deal with them moving forward is our responsibility and that we can't always push the blame off on someone else, and that's very popular in our culture today, to push the blame and never take ownership, never take responsibility. We need to own up to whatever we can, and even those things that aren't our fault, we have to own moving on. It's our responsibility to move on. If we don't, we stay in bondage to whatever it was that was holding us back. Well, this morning, the first three were awareness, discovery, and ownership. Today, we're talking about forgiveness. We're going to be in John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can pull them out and open up to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can pull out your phone and uh, pull up the Bible app and go to John chapter 8. We'll be spending most of our time there this morning. While you have your phone out, if you want to check in on Facebook, we appreciate that. We're talking about forgiveness. and One of the things I want to talk about uh, with forgiveness is just a basic understanding of forgiving someone. And I don't know that we really understand that. Uh, forgiveness, you know, we kinda utter this phrase, I forgive you, and we'll, what does that mean? What does it mean when we forgive someone? You know, we saw a great example of this in the, in the shooting in Charleston, and the church just responded immediately instead of condemning and being angry and filled with rage, they responded with forgiveness. They, they forgave this guy for what he did. What is forgiveness? What does forgiveness mean? What does it mean to forgive someone or even to forgive ourselves or to accept forgiveness? Forgiveness is canceling a debt. So last week we talked about you know, how there are people who have probably done things. We've all been hurt by someone. Someone has done something to us that, that we don't feel like we deserved we probably didn't deserve. And so there's this baggage that we're carrying. There's this weight that we're carrying because of whatever has been done to us. Well. Forgiveness is, is deciding, you are know, putting whatever, whatever we think we are owed for what they did to us, it's kind of like writing it up on a slip and saying, you know, this is what it cost me. This is, this is what you owe me. And just kind of write out, write out the price of it. And then if you had a great big stamp, or a great big stamp that said cancel, you just take it and stamp canceled. Whatever, whatever you owe me for what you did to me, I'm no longer holding you accountable, I'm just, I'm releasing that, I'm forgiving that. So the easiest way to think about forgiveness is to actually think about money. You talk here about forgiving debt all the time. How a debt has been forgiven. That means the money that you owed, you're no longer owed. So when we're accepting, when we're receiving forgiveness, the debt that we owed, we no longer owe. When we're forgiving someone the debt that they owed us, they no longer owe us because we have forgiven them. So keep that in mind as we go through this morning. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 1. Now, I just want to address one thing really quick. If, if you have a, a Bible, this might be in italics, or you might have a little note at the, of, at the top of this that say some manuscripts don't include this, and that might be kind of confusing because uh, you know, how then do we know what parts of Scripture are we supposed to keep, and, and what parts of Scripture are we supposed to leave out? You know, and uh, there's another another uh, passage I think at the, end, at the end of Mark, somewhere in Mark where they talk about handling snakes and stuff like that, and so then how do we answer the question, which parts of the Bible are we supposed to keep in and which parts are we supposed to leave out? Well, the real easy way I think to do it is Is it helpful and consistent with the rest of the teaching of Scripture. For instance, as we look at the passage today, are we going to see that as we look at John chapter 8, what happens in the story of John chapter 8, the content of John chapter 8, the first 11 verses, does this, does this meet up, does this match the rest of Scripture as we read it? Are there, are there consistencies or inconsistencies? And as we're going to read, I think there's going to be, you'll see there's a lot of consistencies with who Jesus was, how he lived, what he did, and how he taught, and so we can pretty easily Say, this is okay, this is truth that we need to abide by. But when, that, when there, are, there are sections of Scripture that have been added in or taken out that, that, in, that take away from what the Scripture is trying to say, then we need to question that and dig into that a little bit more. I don't know if you know this, but Bibles are translated by people. There aren't wholly perfect translations. The, the original language is Greek and Hebrew and since nobody speaks Greek and Hebrew anymore, somebody's gotta come along and translate it into, into the language we can understand. And so we're trusting them to do their best but as we are imperfect, they are imperfect and while they, we pray that they are led by God and the decisions that they make, we always need to make sure that we too are allowing God to speak through his word and make sure that what we're reading is what it actually says and if you don't No, then go look it up. Go to BibleStudyTools.com and go check it out and see what the original definition of a word is and get your understanding there. John chapter eight, verse one. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And as dawn appeared again in the temple court, as dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. And this time, the teacher would sit and all of the students would come and gather around. And so I thought we'd try that this morning, uh, because the teacher would sit so that they could teach as long as they needed to, and just go on and on and on until they said everything that they needed to say, and everyone would just kind of have to stand around, and it was the teacher that was comfortable, everyone else was learning. So uh, we, we've got uh, uh, quite a lengthy service for you this morning, so I'm going to sit down here on the ground, I'm just going to have you all kind of gather around. I guess we live in a different day and time. There's no respect anymore. Verse 3, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So here you see Jesus, I'm still going to sit even if you don't come around. I don't sit this way very often or very well. See if I can help you understand this. So Jesus is sitting, I know some of you can't see me, but that's not a big deal, you can hear me. Jesus is sitting teaching, maybe he's sitting crisscross applesauce, or he's kind of leaning on, on his arm, on his right hand, like they would often sit while they're reclining at the table and eating, and he's, he's sitting down here and, and he's teaching. This would be considered a formal teaching environment. So the best way to think about this would be if you were in school, if you were in a high school class or, or a college class, and at, at our, our, our environment is a teacher comes and stands in front of a lecture hall, and then a lot of students just kind of sit there and watch, and so that's the formal teaching environment. Here we see Jesus is sitting down, and it's a formal teaching environment in the temple, in the temple courts, and then this happens. Right in the middle of his lesson, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus. So you get the picture. So it would be right now as if, while I'm teaching this lesson, someone stormed in through the doors while I'm teaching you and said, hey, we we caught this woman just this morning. She was with someone who is not her husband. What are you gonna do about it? What does the law say? Things might be a little uncomfortable, right? Might get a little awkward, might be a little hard to handle. Teacher, this woman was, you might even hear a little sarcasm and snide tone of voice in their remark. Teacher, teacher! This woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? I don't know if you know uh, what stoning means. Not recreational. This is actually, this is probably far too small of a rock for, for what, it, what it meant to stone someone. And what they would do, they would find these rocks, basically as big of a rock as you could, as you could hold, as you could carry. And then they would take it and on the person. And so stoning is. You can imagine a rock twice, maybe three times this size coming at you. So here's Jesus teaching, they bring in this woman caught in adultery. The law says you're supposed to stone this woman they probably got rocks in their hands, ready to do what the law had said. This woman was kind in adultery, we need to stone her. What do you say? This is a great story. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Here's another uh, another point for as you study Scripture and as you read through Scripture. There are mysteries in Scripture that we will never fully understand. The things that we absolutely need to know are explicit. But I think there are some parts of Scripture that are left a little ambiguous because God wants us to maybe use our imagination to fill in the gaps. We don't step outside of what, what Scripture teaches to fill in the gaps, but we need to use our imagination as we're reading it, put ourselves in the setting and, and just kind of imagine. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. This is something that a lot of people have wondered what Jesus wrote, and some people think maybe he just got down and he wrote on the sand, on the ground, the dirt on the ground, he just maybe wrote out the Ten Commandments. He just kind of, he kind of listed them out in the sand as he was writing. Other people think he kind of walked around the circle and he would get in front of someone and he'd maybe write out the specific command that he knew that that person had broken. Maybe they had broken recently. Maybe even that day he would just kind of put it out. Maybe just the, the number so that they would know. Other people think that maybe he was actually just writing out specific sins because Jesus knew what they had done wrong and so he was just writing out what they had done in the sand. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. It's a common phrase, we've heard it a lot of times, "Let he who is without sin throw the first stone. If you're without sin this morning, I would like you to come up, I will give you uh, the, the opportunity this morning to maybe get the revenge you've been hoping for on all the religious leaders that have abused you over the years. I'm going to be here, and if you're without sin and you'd like to stone somebody and see what this experience is like, you, you have a rock, you have my permission, you can come up and throw it at me. Anybody? Man. There's no participation this morning. Any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Again, he stooped and wrote down on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away at one time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Isn't it interesting that John uses the phrase here, at this, those who heard began to go away. One at a time. Jesus, as far as we see, didn't say anything. He wasn't, he wasn't preaching at the top of his lungs, trying to condemn the crowd and make sure that they felt guilty. He was simply riding on the ground. But then those who were there heard what they heard. They began to walk away one at a time. The older ones first, who had the longer list of sins that they were hiding and carrying in their pockets until... Only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Having been kneeling down, writing things on the ground, Jesus straightened up, turns to the woman. And he asked her, Woman. Where are they? Has no one condemned you? You hear that word woman and you think maybe it's a little derogatory, maybe it's a little putting down, but if you do a little bit of research, you see that that's actually a term of respect. The only other time Jesus says woman that way is when he's talking about his mother early in his ministry and when he's on the cross, woman. So here Jesus looks Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Our sin doesn't make us second class. If it was sin that made us second class, then all of us would be second class. We'd all be even again. But because we've sinned is not a reason to be treated. Poorly, Because we have done something wrong in God's eyes does not mean we deserve to be treated as less than human. And here we see the perfect example of Jesus because when he, who was perfect and blameless, could have looked at this woman who was caught in sin and, and judged and condemned and hailed all kinds of persecution on her because he was obviously perfect and she was not, instead of condemning, instead of looking and say, you are a sinner, you are going to hell and you deserve to die, Jesus stops and says, Woman, where where are your condemners? Where are your accusers? Where are the people who brought you here? Does no one condemn you? No one, sir. There's a lot going on in our culture right now, and I'm not going to get into all the nitty-gritty of it, but I did write an article last week that I would encourage you to go read. It's just simply entitled, Whatever You Think the Issue Is, It Probably Isn't. And a lot of times when there are these, these things that come up, whether it's the shooting or the Supreme Court decision the last couple of weeks, when these things come up, we kind of want to we kinda wanna get behind our argument, we wanna get behind what we think is right, we wanna get behind what we think is the truth, and we, we get behind this 50 caliber weapon of argument, and we're ready to start hurling bullets at the enemy. We're, start, we're ready to start pounding the enemy with our arguments with what we think is right, what we think is truth, and of course, Whoever's on the opposite side of the argument is doing the same thing. And so here we find ourselves in this array of bullets of arguments and of things going on. And I don't know what your Facebook feed looked like, but I know what mine looked like on that week. And it was not something that I wanted to be a part of. And I found myself walking away from Facebook for a while because it was disgusting. Everything. It was all disgusting. If we want to reach people who do not yet believe, we cannot start with the stone. If we want to reach people who are far from God and who who desperately need God's grace, we cannot start with the stone. We cannot be the people who start here. This is the perfect story to use for this example because we see Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords who lived a perfect and sinless life, who had every reason to pick up a stone and throw it at the woman, he stopped and said, who condemns you? No one, sir. And neither do I. So I think we focus so much on that last verse that Jesus shares, and I've been guilty of this, so I am just as guilty and accused as you if you've done this, but we focus on that last verse, go now and leave your life of sin, yes, there is sin, yes, there is right and wrong, yes, there is truth, and that is never going to change. It's always going to be there. God has created truth, He created a system, He created a structure. If we live by this truth that God has created, this design that He put in place, then we will find joy and peace and life and happiness. And when we step away from that, we'll find frustration and pain and sorrow. Yes, there is a right and a wrong, but if we start with the right and the wrong and we don't start with grace and we miss the opportunity to let someone be loved by Jesus instead of condemned by us. We've got to start with grace. Little soapbox there. It was just the opportunity we needed to talk about it. Back to the issue of forgiveness couple of points on forgiveness and we'll be done here pretty quick. Forgiveness means that I live in the hope of today, not the hurt of yesterday. Forgiveness means I live in the hope of today, not the hurt of yesterday. Have you ever had someone that you thought you could count on? Maybe someone made you a promise and they didn't keep it. Have you ever shared something with someone in confidence and, th- and then they shared it? I've been there, I- I've been through that. I actually, uh, I was frustrated with one of my bosses, imagine that, we're all frustrated with our bosses from time to time, and I, now I'm just on the other side, so I don't have to deal with it. (laughs) I complain about myself in the mirror, I guess, but I was frustrated with something that was going on, and I shared something with one of my coworkers in confidence, and then uh, things started getting more tense between myself and my boss, and um, I finally went back to this person, and I said, hey, all that stuff I told you, did, did you pass that on? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you didn't want me to. You know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to help, wanted to help fix things, you know, try, I don't like when things aren't working right. And I just wanted to. If you live long enough, somebody is going to burn you. If you live long enough, somebody's going to hurt you. If you live long enough, you are going to be betrayed. It's part of the world that we live in. But that's what we do with that betrayal. And if we, If we carry it, if we hold it, and we let it weigh us down, it will continue to slow down the progress God wants to make. And instead of getting on the freeway of God's grace, we will find ourselves burdened with betrayal. We'll find ourselves burdened with things that we aren't forgiving and letting go. It's going to assault us over and over again. So instead of forgiving the debt that's owed because of the thing that they did, we continue to bring it up and relive it and let our minds hash through it over and over again as if it's happening today, and instead of living in hope today, we're living in hurt today, and yesterday, and tomorrow. Forgiveness means I live in the hope of today, not the hurt of yesterday. Some of us have convinced ourselves that we can manage the pain, and not need to extend forgiveness towards the person that hurt us. We can deal with it. We can self medicate. We can, you know, like we've talked about in a couple of weeks ago, we can grab out on some of these medicators and deal with the pain and kind of numb ourselves to what's going on. But I promise you, you can't do that. If you imagine yourself with a backpack and every time you get wounded, you get hurt by someone, you put another brick and that backpack and you're carrying this backpack as you journey through life. You've got this backpack on and you just, every time you get wounded, you put in another brick. Every time you get wounded, you put in another rock and before you know it, your, your back is arched. Your muscles are strained and your bones are extended and it's all you can do to try to just take another step. Because we're weighed down with the weight of the past. You've probably seen that phrase on, online somewhere that not forgiving someone is allowing them to live rent free in your head. When you forgive someone, you just evict them. And maybe today you need to sign an eviction notice and forgive. You may have every right not to forgive that person, and I'm not saying that you don't. But bitterness will creep in and as you allow the bitterness of that one thing to creep in, then you'll find yourself bitter at everything and you will not be able to be happy and joy-filled in life because you are bitter and bitterness creeps in. So sometimes we don't forgive someone for their sake, we forgive them for our sake. In fact, most of the time, we need to forgive for our sake. It's not easy. But when you find it difficult, pick up your Bible and read what God did for you. As far as the east is from the west is how far God has removed our sins from us. He's thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness and they live on the shore of the nevermore where he will never recall them ever again. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Imagine your offenses against God and imagine God with the backpack. How heavy would the weight be if God carried our offenses against Him? It's a list too great to imagine. Forgive one another just as in Christ God also forgave you. Someone sent in a question, so if someone is not repentant in their actions and continue to hurt us, we are to continue to just forgive and what? It's a hard question. someone is not repentant in their actions they continue to hurt us, then we continue to forgive, and what? Well, I think there's a part of human interaction where we're supposed to use wisdom that God gave us, and if we are being continually hurt and wounded, we may have to walk away for a while. We may have to take some kind of break, we may have to get some space, and Heal. I think we need to allow God to work in us. But what if we can't do that? What if we can't walk away? What if we just can't leave this person? Then we just have to trust that God is going to give us the strength that we need to get through whatever it is that we're walking through. And I know that's not great advice and that's not comforting. <laughs> But as God walks with us, as God gives us the strength to handle it, he's also continuing to work in us and he's molding us more into the image of his son. He's creating us to be more like him. And while we don't want to continue to put ourselves in harm's way, if, if we can help it, we continue to do the same thing to God. We're always offending God. We're always disappointing Him with our lives and our choices. and It's a question there's not an easy answer to. It's not easy, but God forgave us. Forgive one another just as in Christ God forgave you. The act of forgiveness may not erase your hurt from your past, but it can erase the power that that hurt has over you. The act of forgiveness may not erase the hurt from your past, and you will still have baggage, you will still have hurt that you carry, and and wounds that you are always healing from, but forgiving someone releases the power that that hurt has over you, so you are not in bondage to the hurt. They may be in bondage to their sin for their entire life, but you don't need to be in bondage to what they have done. You need to walk in freedom, and the way to get to freedom is forgiveness. The second aspect of forgiveness is, I need to embrace forgiveness for my own sin. I need to embrace forgiveness for my own sin. The first part is, Forgiveness means I live in the hope of today, not the hurt of yesterday. The second part is I need to embrace forgiveness for my own sin. Forgiving ourselves is usually the most difficult part. It's the hardest part because you know, we, can, we can forgive someone else and we can understand that God forgives people, but we need to accept forgiveness. We need to receive forgiveness. We can understand on an intellectual level the the logic of how it works. we, We offended God and so God forgave us so we need to walk but we need to forgive ourselves. I don't know if you know this but moral failure finds an easy recall. People remember moral failures pretty well. It's hard to forget and the greater the offense the easier it is to remember but even in and those who weren't affected by the situation, it's easy to remember a moral failure. And here we have this woman caught, literally caught in the act of adultery. And she's brought in in front of the crowd. She's brought into the temple courts where people are gathered around, where there are are hundreds if not more people gathered around and see this scene. And you can imagine however many people were gathered around Jesus as he was teaching, the, the number doubled as this scene unfolded in front of them. And here's this woman who would now go from from being, being sinning in silent and in quiet to now her sin is in the public eye. Everyone is going to know her as the adulteress. They're going to know her as the sinner. They're going to know her as the one who had committed this offense. It's like in the movie, she has an A on her around her neck that she wears for adulteress. Her story just went from whoever she was to becoming this woman who has done this thing. Moral failure always finds an easy recall. But here we see Jesus, he stoops down and he writes in the sand. Writing who knows what, you know, the the moral failings of all the people who are gathered around, the, the ones who who had broken probably all 10 of the commandments and probably several other, if not hundreds of the other rules and regulations they had for that day. They had broken them at some point in their lives and, and maybe they had, they had done what they needed to do to be, to be made clean of that. Maybe they haven't, who knows. But here we have Jesus riding on the sand as this has happened, as this has unfolded. This woman's life has changed. And instead of standing up and putting the, the necklace around her that says A, and she's an adulteress, she stands up. Jesus is standing there. Neither do I condemn you. The truth about me is that I don't really know the truth about me. It's always easier to know the truth about someone else and to kind of ignore the truth about me and a lot of people like we said in the very first week are kind of walking around us and they see all the areas where we're weak and where we've messed up and the mistakes we made and they can see the big blind spots that we don't see it's easier to know the truth about someone else than it is to know the truth about me and it's hard, it's really hard to put ourselves instead of in Jesus shoes doing the forgiving, the woman's shoes standing as the one who has done the offense and done the wrong thing and deserves to be condemned and to receive what Jesus is bringing our direct Neither do I condemn you. Some of us have probably done some really awful things and we think we will never be acceptable in God's sight. But one sin is enough sin to separate you from God, and God does not say, Well, you've just done too many. You're too far away. You have broken too much. There is no more grace for you. No soup for you. I don't even like Seinfeld. The reason it's important to forgive others is because we are far from God and we've broken God's rules. God sees us the same way as he sees everyone. The same is true for us. We need to forgive ourselves. We can't keep putting bricks in our backpack of the offenses that we have accumulated because of the wrongs that we have done. We cannot continue to live under the weight of all the things that we have broken because we have lived imperfect lives. Neither do I condemn you. No one is standing here accusing us when we are covered in God's grace because God doesn't see us as someone who has broken all of the commands. He sees us covered in the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, and now we are perfect and blameless in his sight. Neither do I condemn you. We should stop living as though we are broken, we are never going to be whole, we are never going to be healed, we are never going to be set free from all of this baggage and the weight that we carry. We have been set free eternally in the cross and Jesus is looking at us, why do you keep picking that up when I forgave it? Why do you keep carrying this weight when I already paid for that on the cross? Why do you refuse to let it go when it has already been put behind you? Let it go, step forward, forgive yourselves, neither do I condemn you. Romans eight, thirty-three. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Here there are a lot of people, there are a lot of accusers in this story. The woman is standing there. There's a lot of people that have come with rocks ready to accuse. Who will bring any charge, any charge against those whom God has chosen? No one. It's God who justifies. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. It is God who makes right. No one can bring a charge against us for something that we have already been forgiven for. It's been made right, it's been justified by what Jesus did on the cross. Who then is the one who condemns? Which of us is the one that has the rock? Which of us is the one that has the right to hold this and to throw it at someone and to hurl it at someone? Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God. Don't miss this. Christ Jesus who died, and even more than that, more than his death, who was raised to life, is sitting at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So here's Jesus. He died on the cross. He was raised back again to life. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, just to the right of Jesus, uh, right hand of God the Father. And he's sitting there. He's interceding. For us, he's, he's stepping in front of the bullet. He's stepping in front of the stone. He's stepping in front of everything that is coming at us because we are made righteous because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. We don't need to carry this stuff anymore. Jesus is in heaven interceding on our behalf. And if Jesus is interceding on our behalf, if Jesus is sitting there at the right hand of the Father, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. If Jesus is interceding on our behalf and he's standing there fighting our cause, pleading our case, and he's taking whatever it is that needs to be taken so that we don't have to take it, and we can be seen by God the Father as righteous. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can the people who we have not forgiven separate us? Can the people who have hurt us in the past separate us? Can we ourselves separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. This morning you probably, in fact, I know we all, we all identify with both. All of us have made a mistake, we've done something we shouldn't have done, and all of us have accused someone, we've condemned someone. But maybe this morning you're identifying with one or the other a little bit more. Maybe you're identifying with the crowd and you've, you've just The thing that you're carrying is I need to let this condemnation go. I need to stop condemning an unbelieving world for not living up to the standards that God has put in place when we struggle to live up to those standards. We need to stop with the rocks. Maybe over this past couple of weeks you found yourself Just give me that chance. You're just waiting in a conversation for someone to say the wrong thing, for someone to say the thing that is going to set you off. Just give me that chance. Just give me the, put me in the game, coach. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got the rock in hand. And what you need to do is... Drop the rock. Maybe you find yourself identifying with the woman, standing in the circle of accusations, feeling like your life is about to be ruined. Your life's about to be wrecked. You're thirsty for God's grace. The safest place you can run when you're guilty is into the arms of Jesus. We don't want to do that, that doesn't make sense, that's illogical. Jesus is perfect and he's blameless. I don't don't want to run to him, I want to run, run away from him, I want to hide from Jesus, but the safest place for you to run is into the arms of Jesus because the message of the cross is not guilty. The message of the cross is not guilty. You are not guilty. You are not guilty. You do not carry the burden of your sin anymore. It has been forever paid for on that cross. You're not guilty when you are struggling with the wrecked life and the decisions that you've made that have led you to that point and and maybe you are fine, you own it, and you know that you've made this stuff but you just struggle under the guilt of it all. What you need to do is run into the arms of Jesus and receive the not guilty verdict, Jesus has grace ready to shower down on you. Forgiveness is available for all of us. We can choose at this moment in time to cancel the debt of anyone who has hurt us. We can choose at this moment in time to receive God's forgiveness for what we have done all we have to do is receive it. And maybe you're in a spot where you need Jesus to stand up for you and to stand between you and your accusers. Maybe you're in a spot where I just, I just don't, I don't see any way out. I don't. It's over. Curtains. Jesus is just ready to step in front and say where are they? Who's condemning you? And neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I'm going to ask you to stand. The band's going to come. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. But I just want to pray for us. I'm not going to have you raise hands or anything today. I just have two prayers I want to pray. So if you'll bow your heads with me, close your eyes. Just ask God to make you aware of whatever it is you need to be set free from. Ask God, God, would you just reveal to me anything that I need to lay down, anything I need to stop carrying this morning? All of us need to do this. All of us have something, have some burden, have some weight, have some guilt, have some struggle that we're just continuing to grasp onto, to cling to. We all have something we need to lay down. Whatever it is, ask God to reveal it to you. Or maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are condemned. Right now, because you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have not accepted the work that he's done on the cross, the stones are coming at you, and you don't think you can move out of the way fast enough. Maybe you are standing condemned because you have not accepted and received God's free gift of grace. I want to pray for you this morning, if that's you. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would set us free. for those who are here and who have never taken that step to put their faith in you, Father, I pray that they would just see grace. Father, I pray that as they, as they stop for this moment in time and they think about everything that has happened, that when they see Jesus died on the cross in their place and he rose from the dead, conquering the power of death, hell, and the grave, giving the opportunity, the possibility of eternal life and being invited into the kingdom of God, and reigning as a co-heir with Christ, as a son or a daughter of the Most High God, that they would just be blown away by this grace that they can receive. Father, I pray that you, would, that you would make that picture, that image visible. The kingdom of God is open. The kingdom of God is there for anyone who would choose to believe in Jesus Christ and walk with him and step into what he has to offer. The kingdom of God is there if we step into it. And Father, I pray that you give us strength to do whatever it takes to step into that this morning. If we've never put our faith in Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that for what we're stepping into, you would help us to step away from our sin. For what we're stepping into, I pray that you would help us to to see our sin for what it is, the thing that keeps us from you, and that you would allow us to be washed in your grace, to be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and to wear his righteousness as our robe and to walk with him. I pray, Father, that you would Set us free from our sin. Pray that you would firm up our belief in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross and that our belief would be in him and his power alone, not in my ability to do good, but that I would believe in Jesus and what he did on that cross and I would commit my life to following him from this point forward. Live my life for his glory, for his sake, for his kingdom in Jesus' name. And Father, for those of us who are carrying a burden, who are carrying a hurt, who are carrying the baggage of not forgiving someone who has wounded us, for those of us who are carrying the the baggage of not forgiving ourselves for what we have done, I pray for freedom. Father, would you set us free this morning? Father, I pray that you would give us the infinite wisdom and the ability right now to calculate the cost, to see just how much it is that that person owes us, just how much it is that, that we, the debt that we have racked up for ourselves, whatever it is, I pray, Father, that you would, just that you would put a, a figure on that, an amount on that, a visualization on that, that we would see just how much that debt is and that you would, in our minds right now, help us to write out the check, to put the total, tally it up, including tax, and cancel the debt. Father, help us to forgive, forgive those who have hurt us, forgive ourselves for the pain we have caused ourselves and others, and to just walk free in the forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.